0: Welcome to another episode of Different Spokes My name is Matt Smith Today's guest is Mike Hinkins Mike's been around BMX since the mid-90s Filming video parts, making video parts He hails from the Midwest And, um, yeah Mike has his own podcast, Impermater And hearing his podcast is one of the inspirations for this For what I'm doing now so it was really awesome to be able to sit down and shoot the shit with him because um, I don't actually know Mike in person and I really appreciate that he was, you know, cool enough or maybe not too cool to uh, shoot the shit with me. I really appreciate that, you know, and um, I just want to thank him for his time and conversation was pretty cool. I, I look forward to having more. Um, he's got a fun brain to pick. Uh, without further ado, here we go. Mike Hinkins, different spokes. Yeah, Damn, you're faster than me. <laughs> my bathroom's right, right outside my uh, door here. I mean, mine is too, but I got this
1: fucking thing on.
0: Oh, shit. What the fuck happened? You... Um, I think I'm actually going to take it off because I'm sitting here. Uh, I get the MRI results tomorrow,
1: but I mean, I've been in this thing for three weeks already. It's uh, likely a torn... um semi torn inner ligament. So like, I think I, I think I, now it's here. I think I stretched it, I sprained it outward. So I didn't roll it under, uh-huh. I like rolled it out, which I didn't believe because when I fell, I don't really remember what I did. Yeah. And I was like, yo, my foot feels weird. And it, it wasn't like a sprain feeling. It just felt like I smashed it. So for like weeks I was like, oh, it's tender on the inside. Like I must've just smacked it. It didn't swell or anything. And he's like, no, nah, man, you, like, he's like, you probably rolled it outwards. And I was like, that does make sense because I looped out and my foot went back. But, I mean, I didn't, it didn't feel like a roll, you mm-hmm. know. And I rolled my ankles, like, a million fucking times. So, um, it's probably, like, four to six
0: weeks still, or total. So, I'm, like, halfway, unfortunately, only. Damn. So, it was possibly just from a loop out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I know the fall was stupid. I was, like... I didn't even want to ride. I was like, oh, I made this dude a promise. I go to the skate park with him, and mm-hmm. I'm going to Swamp Fest in five days. I should just take it easy. <clears throat> and I went to fucking Feeble down this, like, unfit. They're, like, building the skate park, and I went to Feeble on a sledge. I was like, oh, I'll just pop out before the missing hole. Like, the rail was, like, a hole in it yeah. for some stupid reason. And I Im- I put my Feeble down, and I immediately, like, I was like, okay, I'll pop out. And I looped out immediately, like, pulling up, and I must have just done, like, a Superman and I must have dragged my leg behind me, and that now that I realize that's what happened, I dragged my leg. I must have folded my ankle backwards and not oh, realized it. Wow! So and it didn't again. You know, you know how it is. You roll your ankle. It's like yeah. oh fuck. You know, you feel it. It, it was more like yeah. my ankle feels weird. Kind of hurts, but I could walk. You know, like mm-hmm. so. Anyway, it was doing nothing. First trick out of the car. <laughs> Two hours from my house too.
0: So what? What did it take before you were like, I should go get this professionally looked at, or did you immediately know? Um,
1: you know, I, I like, I rode around all day with the dudes, like one footed, just kind of hopping and, and stuff. And then I came home and then like, I was like, well, can I get an X-ray? Oh, I went and got an X-ray immediately, like the next day and it showed nothing. I was like, it's gotta be some sort of like deep bruise. Mm-hmm. And then I left for Swamp Fest, cause I didn't have, I had a ticket. So I left and I've been in Florida for two weeks working and doing Swamp Fest and stuff. And then uh, I got home and I was like, okay, it's been two weeks now, two and a half weeks, doesn't feel any better. I can't walk on it yet. It's like time to go see a doctor. And then I went and saw like an ankle specialist. He was like, he didn't even touch it. I Mm -hmm. described. He was He's like, oh, you tore the blah, blah, blah ligament. I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, positive. And then he touched it. He's like, it hurts here and here. I'm like, yep. He's like, yeah, we'll get an MRI to make sure. But like, it's like, it's it's this, it's four to six weeks, it's a
0: sprain. It's like, all right. So... At least I got an answer it in theory. Yeah.
1: That's crazy.
0: You listen to smooth jazz.
1: <laughs> Technical difficulties pass. I think we're ready.
0: <laughs> no, it's funny, though. Like The echo is like your signature sound now. <laughs>
1: oh, mine? Yeah. Oh, that is... It's because I, I would show you I'm in a fucking huge room. Like a gigantic, like... Like... 15 by 20... With like a, it's like a, a landing on top of the stairs so there's like a like the ceiling over there is like 18 feet tall <laughs> nice. yeah i mean they're tall ceilings they're already like eight or ten feet and then over there where the stairwell is so basically i'm outside of a stairwell which it's a beautiful room there's tons of windows for me but it, and it's like their office but it's all tile cement big area so it's like hollow as fuck, on it
0: but i'm <laughs> not gonna go
1: sit in my hot ass fucking bedroom or something you know
0: yeah which leads me to a good maybe a good starter question here where are you right now uh i am in the dominican republic in the capital city
1: of santo domingo
0: wow crazy
1: yeah it is super crazy here
0: and, and what is it that you're doing there
1: well i am doing this
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm doing all sorts of cool shit. Uh, my wife works for the uh, united states uh, state department okay so she, um, as a diplomat, just travels the world working at different embassies and consulates. Wow. So I kind of get to tag along and uh, we move around every couple of years. We go to a different embassy and uh, I uh, sometimes I like teach. I haven't, I, I took a, a year and a half off or so. It's been a little while. Mm-hmm. Here she comes actually. She's, <laughs> she's bringing me some M&Ms. Hi. Uh,
0: hello. This
1: is my wife, Caitlin. <laughs>
0: Hi. Nice to meet here. meet. meet Nice.
1: All right, babe. Thank you. She brought me some M&Ms. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, she not only brings me M's, she brings me around the world. Like <laughs> I was saying. Uh you know, sometimes I work at American schools, mm-hmm. you know, like uh or international schools, and I've done that before. The last spot I was at was a nightmare, so I quit. Um and I you know, I guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I basically I quit, mm-hmm. and I needed to like make some money. And it's you know, if I'm not teaching in American school, I'm, well there's not too much to do because labor is super cheap. So I'm not going to work for like eight bucks a day, like you know, cleaning a ditch or something. So, right. Um, I took on a lot more with Madeira in the last few years, and now that's so that's what I'm doing here. Like I'm running Madeira, you know, four or five, six hours a day. You know, kind of like basically being all of Madeira. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also why I'm traveling constantly, so I'm always going on trips, I'm going to the factory, because, you know, it's only like a three hour, two and a half hour flight to uh, Tampa from here, or same Tampa, Tampa, St. Pete area, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing here, and, you know, cool. when I'm not traveling all the time, I'm riding my bike and doing shit around the house.
0: Sick. Man, that's so crazy, because it's like, when you said, uh, I'm going to get an MRI in this country, I was like thinking oh man i wonder what country he's in or is he just talking about america like that (laughs) i was like fuck it i can't i don't don't know you know you know what's
1: cool is out of pocket
0: Yeah, <laughs> wow, damn. Okay, so let's uh, let's run it back for a second. Yeah, if, sure. I remember seeing you as as a kid. So I used to like buy videos out of Dance Comp, and I would buy I would purposely buy DVDs or v- VHSs back then that I didn't recognize. So it was like anything other than props or the standard quo status quo, of whatever BMX was at the time, I was already trying to dig into whatever weird shit I could find. And I would just buy shit. And one of those videos was the Horizons DVD. I think, oh, it's yeah. a, I think it was a DVD, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that was, I think our video before that was a VHS. So, yeah, that was
1: a DVD, and it was like, that was new, right? Like, Etni's DVD had just, the Etni's video had just came out on VHS and also DVD, and that was like a transition. Yeah
0: So I yeah. think my I think Joey Hashtag Like You know he authored The whole DVD And that was like A big process Because you had to figure out How the fuck to do it You know mm-hmm. Yeah Yeah definitely I, I mean Yeah I tried doing it too <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you ever see uh, Mutiny's subversion video I definitely did Okay um, The one with
1: uh, Shit I'm mixing them all up But I've seen it 100% seen it Because I really enjoyed it But I'm mixing it up With the one before it And also Walter's um The one where They're all sitting on the table Um It wasn't a mutiny video But it was like All the
0: mutiny dudes Basically Oh okay Um Something about Good time or fun Stoked um, on being pumped Was that It wasn't stoked On being pumped Was it
1: No 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 It was before that But anyway yes I have seen Subversion So why didn't you ask that
0: Okay so Uh When I Okay, O.J., I don't know how to say his name correctly, O.J. Juarez? I think it's, I think it might be Juarez, but I I also don't remember exactly, I remember him too. Okay, Um, for me, my experience with that video was like, the whole video was very sick, but like, he was like this low-key heater, kind of like alternate style dude amongst the mix, he just kind of seemed different. Uh, I bring it up and I mean it it as a compliment when I watched horizons video and your section came up, I was like, Oh, okay. This is like one of them kind of sections. Like this is different. Like, yeah, yeah. Everything was like just, you know, not quite the same. And, um, so I remember that huge ice pick fakie. Damn. That was definitely ice pick inspiration for sure.
1: So there's a funny story about that, that, I mean, so, uh, if you go back that fence, was my banger in three videos oh shit (laughs) and i double pegged it i double pegged it like in one of my first ever sections like like maybe three or four years before that like in the late 90s really like maybe 2000 i double pegged it and i mean it was barely a double peg you know i was like shadow grinding it and then i was like oh i was want to ice pick and then i think i think i ice picked it for a something else and then of course, I was like, I want to ice fake it. So we go there, and I uh, I double it. I double fake it. And then I, I ice fake it for real, like, 30 fucking times. like, <laughs> And it's not, like, and again, that was back, I would say, that was my peak, like, where I was like, ah, fuck it all, I'll send it. Like, I'm not much of a hucker. I've never had been, right? But that mm-hmm. was back when I was, like, younger, and I would just do whatever. It was scary, and I did it, like, a lot. And finally... I just, I could not get on the ice hard, high enough to, I was basically undersiding it Mm. over and over and over again. And I couldn't go to fake And I was like, fuck it, I'm fucking over it, right? And then I like threw my bike, I sat there for a second and Joey did not, I could tell he like was just waiting. Cause you know, he was a good cinematographer. He got it, you film everything. You Mm. just sit there, you let the the moment unfold. And I like recollected my thoughts. I was like, all right, fuck it, right now, Joey, I'm fucking doing it, we're leaving. And I turned around and I did it and that was the one that I pulled <laughs> and so that's it's always been kind of like every time I watch it he did that like kind of editing thing that I know Grant C really hates where like he shows the build up it's like double double fake ice ice fakey, which back then made sense but now I'm like we probably could have just skipped right to the ice fakey. but either way yeah. it kind of shows that it was a process and mm-hmm. that's why it was I think he edited it like that to show that like I had to work up to it but yeah that, that was not supposed to happen like I, I kinda have- had given up so I'm happy that it uh that it turned out.
0: Damn, that's a that's one of those glorious victories.
1: Certainly. Yeah. That spot's still there too. And people, I just saw someone riding it. Like it's like two blocks from where I grew up, and um, where the Mon- you, know, you know, the Hmong, right? Yes. Richard Mungle? Yeah,
0: he had a section in that too, right?
1: Yes, and his section arguably was like inspiration for me because he, um, him, and I were. We grew up riding together. He taught me to fake in that parking lot cool. where the fence is. Mm-hmm. And we kind of had, I wouldn't say a falling out, but we weren't on the best of terms around the filming of Horizon. And uh, he, he I didn't realize he was filming a section. He was living in, about an hour away at going to school in Madison. And then Joey Hester was like, so Mung's going to have a section. And I was like, oh, shit. And I'm not going to lie. I was like a little jealous. Mm-hmm. You know, like, You know, we were, we were like not on the best of terms. And Mung filmed almost all that in like, I would say 80% of his part he filmed in the last like month or two of filming, while all of us had been working on it for a year or three and <laughs> as such, his footage is the most fresh and the most, I would say that we were all developing our styles at the time, mm-hmm. and his was the most developed, and I remember he did that Feeble hard Backlash and on one hand sorry if this is a spoiler for Mung and I mean this in a <laughs> good ways I'm pretty sure he was trying Feeble hard 3 which at that point edwin had done one yeah. i had done a really shitty one also in that video and i his would have undoubtedly been better uh, but i think he accidentally did that backlash and then he i was I, from the story i heard was that he actually did it that he did it on purpose and i think that like he basically invented that moment or invented that combo that moment because it's like oh shit it just puts me right into it and i that clip is so fucking good like I still look at the, his, it's his intro clip, and I look at him like, that is the best Feeble Hard Backlash ever, and it was one, I think it was honestly, possibly the first one ever done. Um, wow. Along with a few other things, that video being the first ever done, so it's like a, I don't know, that video was definitely a turning point for us, I think that was the beginning of uh, becoming, uh, not, this is not, not pros, I don't mean that in any way, but it was just like, it was like we were heading towards a more professional outlook on BMX, more like, we're trying to like change BMX and do things and grow and 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 progression instead of just like let's make a video having fun which it was a blast but it was more like let's make a good video and have fun and that was like a big change for us Mm -hmm. and that was like had to be 2002-2003 I guess so Mm -hmm. it's been Jesus 16 years since that came out. Damn. So.
0: You don't have any extra copies do you? No. (laughs) I have
1: at my parents' house mm. in the United States and I think I have two right? because on. I was trying to make sure I had two or something Yeah. <laughs> but I do have a digital file so if you're looking for it I can get a copy
0: to you definitely because I had lost mine I had a couple videos you know you let, let friends borrow them and you never get them back kind of thing yeah definitely <laughs> the next time I saw you was <laughs> I know this right, sounds mad creepy ridiculous. I'm sorry I sound mad creepy but mm-hmm. um uh, the Ghetto Street Comp, the second one. Damn, I, well, that was such a big deal. That, that, was the fir- that was the first time I saw any pros, or yeah, yeah. anybody in general that I was familiar. But then I saw you and I was like, holy shit, it's that dude from that video. How's he, how's he all the way over here? Holy shit, I guess people just travel like that. And I remember looking at your bike and that was the first time I ever saw a 25 tooth. In Person, like full guard, everything that
1: would have been a McNeil bash,
0: exactly. Yes, yes,
1: <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, I forgot. I mean, wow, yeah, that was a McNeil bash because I used to run the 36 version of it, and then it got smaller. I was like, well, fuck yeah, you know, like,
0: yeah, fuck. I was like, damn, that shit looks so cool,
1: you know. That I, um, I, you know, I, I wrote a book and one of the chapters is about going to that event because so much crazy shit happened at that event. And, um, I won't spoil all the stories. I'm sorry. I'm not going to give them all away. Cause I wrote a damn book, awesome. everyone, you know, but I will say that, um, one of them does include, uh, uh, Lou Bickle mm. of FBM fame, uh, trying to drive a car through my hotel room, window uh, you know so um, (laughs) I'll leave it at that awesome there's not there's not too much more to it but yes like that was an era right like Mm -hmm. I mean like you go there and you saw all the people from the videos and it's funny because I know you you said it you said it was the first time you saw other pros and I know you kind of caught yourself because at that time uh, it was before I was sponsored and I was also equally amazed at the people I saw I mean for me that was one of the that was, like, a
0: big moment where I was like, holy shit, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so. And I mm-hmm. was also starstruck mm-hmm. at that point by some of the incredible
1: legendary riders from the mid-school that were there yes. in their prime. Yeah.
0: It was like, holy shit, this, is, this isn't just a commercial. They legitimately... These heathens li- live like this. Like, these guys are real. Like, Dude, they're crazy as fuck, dude. <laughs> Yeah. And I remember seeing, like, the... The like transition It was like a tight transition up I don't know if it was on a car But it had like a handrail down uh, It was like a tight tranny With like a, a handrail at the top of the tranny almost Yeah yeah And I remember thinking Holy shit I wish I signed up just to ride I just, I just wanted to ride it so bad And I was like I made a promise to myself Next year I'm, go- I'm entering just so I can ride whatever they build And then they didn't have it again Yeah
1: I also, um, you know, I kind of had the reverse, actually. I I entered, and then I was like, this is too insane. I can't ride this. Like, just, I remember the bunny hop contest is a good example of that. The bunny hop contest was suddenly they were like, hey, it's the bunny hop contest. And I was like, oh, shit. So I get I get in line. I get
0: staked, like, by 100 people. And then the next thing you know, it's already at, like, three and a half feet. And that's my <laughs> first, it's, like, my first top of the day. Yeah. And... <laughs> I go and I get kinda of cut off and there's like
1: gravel everywhere and then I like I don't even really get a full hop and I case in and they're like you're out and I'm like <laughs> Okay. You know, I was disappointed because I was like, Oh like that wasn't really my fault but but that was the whole that was just a funny hop contest. Now the whole park was like that where like you couldn't get a run. So when you see right. those dudes now, like I think people look back at that and think, if they weren't there they're like, Oh I wanna go and ride and I'm like, yo, good fucking luck because none of us could barely ride it because it was so hard to ride everything was so fucked up and there were a million people Mm -hmm. going ape shit and (laughs) it was just it was absolute mayhem but it was just like swamp fest right it was just it was worth the watch Mm -hmm. like you know it was worth just being there to experience and there was those dudes that make it work and they somehow made it work. I don't know. I, I I was like too nervous to try to like ride half the ramps. It was so fucked
0: up. Yeah. Now, um, I I remember trying to recognize everybody, and and there was this one kid who was four peg. I could have swore it was Carl Pointer. He railroaded the whole fucking flat rail. That was him. And then he one eightied, straight 180'd, like the the dumpster the, jump. Yep,
1: that was him.
0: That was definitely him. I remember that. Yeah, Cause that was
1: fucked actually yeah, it really was, blew me away that was right when Carl in my in my eyes I didn't know who the hell he was either and that rail ride thing was also kind of like a, you know isn't it funny though how over the years we look back and there's certain tricks that happen and you they're, they're quote unquote ahead of their time because nobody really notices it mm-hmm. like it happens and then five years pass and then suddenly someone else does it and they're like man that's crazy and you're like yeah but so and so did that Eight years ago, five years ago, but no one understood it. Like, and I'll I'll give an example here. Rat Boy, not rat kid, rat boy in the late 90s, the one from Arizona. Mm -hmm. Do you remember him? Yes. Yeah. He he was doing shit that is just like like Kevin Smiley and Chad and and some of the stuff that like I'm into too, like a lot of backlash, bar spin, full cab. Mm -hmm. He was doing that shit literally. 20 years ago, and everybody was too distracted by his ridiculousness to really appreciate, I think, some of the, the tech things he made up without even trying
0: Mm-hmm. My first video I ever bought was, um, whatchamacallit, Finding Shade. Oh yeah, the, that? The, the,
1: was it Elsbell's production,
0: right? Or was it Standard? I forgot who was that. Elsbell's, yeah. And that was the only video I had, but I knew that guy did a bunch, I guess, or that guy had a whole catalog that i wanted to get into but i I was the only one i got and i saw rat kid in that among other people you know edwin smoker dave i mean everybody if you look if you read the box there was a lot of people in that video that was actually
1: my uh so l's and i'll I'll admit some ignorance to this one is that l's was like some sort of videographer dude Mm -hmm. tweaker from phoenix i believe or arizona for sure and he um he had a whole series, and they were like real avant garde, like real strange and wild. And I knew from a commercial on props that I had seen that they were like street based. So I ordered. I think it was the third video I actually purchased, mm-hmm. and it was on the download. And the first like thirty minutes are some are not riding. It's like acting with the guns and some random chick and some what? dude, and it's like it's like an acid trip and like a weird.
0: They're all wearing like suits. It's like this weird pseudo psychology thing. And it's fucked up for like thirty minutes, and then it's like thirty minutes of just raw footage, street riding, with with like weird noises. Yeah. No music. <laughs> and,
1: and it was like unmotivating and kind of disappointing, even though the riding was really good. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, this is like an hour long video full of fucked up shit,
0: and it was like that's bells I guess, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm on my
1: phone and it's only audio, but I can hear
0: you. Yeah. Damn, I, you know, I've done like 20 podcasts now, and I've never had uh, problems, and it. it's definitely probably a combination of all sorts of bullshit on my end, too. I, you know, I, I am in a different country, but, you know. <laughs> oh, so. my God. Yeah, I was just uh, bringing up some, some of the, my early um, exposure to you, um, and then you were talking about kind of like taking the steps towards, you know, a, a pushing it a little bit more. Being a little bit more hungry with your riding. Um, So as I saw the videos and, you know, um, Ghetto Comp 2 was also, you know, just a big encouragement into BMX in general, Um, I started checking out the Midwest BMX site a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, And I just did a podcast with Denny uh, Pascasio and uh, he, he brought up Midwest BMX too About trying to download QuickTime On some dial-up and shit <laughs> I think it was There was a video called Midware Right? Oh yeah Okay And then um, I don't know how Why or what Honestly But I remember there was a video Of you and some other dude And I think you guys were cutting each other's dreads off <laughs> Okay so Okay.
1: Um, so Midware was actually. Oh fuck! Am I? Am I gonna screw up the date here? Midware was okay. So Midware was. I want to say
2: right after, and I'll tell you in about ten seconds here because I have this all clocked.
0: <laughs> so Midware. Yes. Yeah, so Midware was actually before Horizon. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Midware was epically fucking
1: long it was like over an hour long and it had like 25 sections or something insane in it and uh, it was like a it was like a like a survey of all Midwest BMX riders at that time and when I say that I really mean like like well you know it was a pretty big smattering I think about it Northern Illinois uh, Milwaukee Madison some of the some of the small bum towns in both of those states mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that was like that was also I would say that was more of like a hodgepodge like it was like hey we're filming a video and I just had clips and then I kept filming while mm-hmm. Horizon was more of like an intentional like you're going to have a section you need to make a list and like I made a list right at like, yeah. had a, had a scratch note yeah
0: so yeah that also I think is what separated Horizon from Midware is that like I really looked at it like a like a, a filming project mm-hmm. um, ironically I've never really done that again like <laughs> I've never really Made a list and gone and uh, like, okay, I'm gonna do these five tricks. Yeah. But back then, that was it seemed like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just at a side note, you could we can talk more about that in a second if you want, but the dread cutting thing, I don't remember there being a video,
1: but there's definitely photos where Paul Drea and I, yeah, um, we both got mistaken for each other often, and um. We, we were, like, afraid to cut our dreads because they had become kind of part of our, like, personas. You know, like people knew us as, like, you know, Mike Hinkins, they got dreads, and Paul, they got dreads. So I always made a thing. like, if you cut them, I'll cut them. And we were getting sick of them, and they were so fucking long and irritating. And, you know, I, I had already... I was, like, still in love with Joe Rich, but I was, like, over it at that point. And uh, when he finally made the decision, we made an event out of it, you know? And, like, uh, we had um, uh, a ton of... Uh, people over and they all cut like uh they all cut a dread out of our hair and uh like uh you know it was like this big event but that was back to like when we were younger you know like in your early 20s everything is like a reason to have a party
0: i I don't know like a drink
1: party i mean just like we'll have a gathering we'll have a a kickball tournament we'll have a fucking trivia night i mean and it's you know like we just always have groups of people so it's like now i like I just go to a fucking barber and have them cut my goddamn hair but you know back then it was like we
0: had to have yeah. something
1: big happen
0: you know Yeah and and I I think the reason I brought it up was cuz like you know I I was negligent to the whole thing and I'm just in my head I was thinking holy fuck there's that many people that care about these guys cutting off their dreads <laughs> So like to me I was like damn there's a there there's a scene going on out here that, that was my impression of it all. Like, that's what I took from it.
1: Well, that is – that's actually a really cool
0: um, insight into Milwaukee. And I think
1: that – I think that the videos you – know, here's what's really funny, too, is that people people always talk about – I maybe not now. Now mm-hmm. it's, like, pretty normal to film everything all the time, right? But, like, back in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, people would bring a camera out to ride, and it was like, ah uh, – the camera's out today now it's real serious
0: <laughs> and and now that's not like the thing like now it's like we all have a camera in our pockets so that's never at the topic it's more about are you going to get serious or not like just
1: by choice mm-hmm. but back then I think that we just always were filming and I think for some reason that pulled everybody together and so it's like we always just had stuff going on and the scene you know just kind of
2: grew around that idea of always filming Mm -hmm. and you know like in in theory like you know jeff k was the first to do like a like a like a a vlog in the sense that it was like a day video
0: right like the camera never got turned around on him yeah like it was like the idea of a day video like let's just do a day and see what happens like Mm -hmm.
1: as a theme, which is so common now in all like social media not just bmx yeah that was like we did it all the time, and I think people enjoyed it. and It was cool because you got to see yourself on film, which is always cool in BMX. Yeah. And as such, going back to where we started with this, is everything was everything was uh, was an event. Everything was a big deal. Like no day in, the, in those in that era, like the early two thousands, ever felt like a a boring day. Like every day was like, holy shit, there's twenty dudes out, or holy shit, we're making a video, or we're going to go find a new spot or we're going to build a spot or we're going to dig a fucking ditch and do this. It was
0: always something. So Milwaukee was really popping, hmm. you
1: know, early 2000s to like 2006, 7, where the scene was just everybody always doing something. And then, of course, it changed because everybody grew up and life became
0: life, you know? But Yeah. Yeah, so keeping, keeping with the timeline of it, um you eventually went to college and then started teaching is that right yeah
1: the the long and short of that is is that it was neither short but it it was not short it was long i uh i got i went i went to college right out of high school so i graduated 2000 and i wanted to be a teacher because i i mean Two things. One, as a BMXer, we're used to teaching. You know, it's like what we do, we mentor, we work with kids. And two, the fucking schedule was kick-ass, you know? And uh, it allowed me to, like, continue to to be a person and ride bikes. And uh, four years in, I was like, huh, I guess I could student teach and then get out and get a job. And I was like, or I could just keep going to school and, like, living up this, like, you know, BMX lifestyle of, like, using student loans to pay my bills and (laughs) (laughs) Paying <laughs> for
0: road trips,
1: paying for road trips with my bike shop job, you know, and like, yeah. that's what I did, and I, on one hand, it's, I wouldn't say it's a regret in life, but I mean, like, I owe a fuck ton of money, and it was certainly because of this, mm-hmm. um, student loans, um, other hand, I, I would say regret, because it allowed me to, to do what I wanted to do, one, to train to be a teacher, and two, to continue riding and traveling constantly, while a lot of my friends they didn't accrue a lot of debt but they just kind of stopped riding because they had to work and well they wanted to work and then it was like suddenly oh there you go there's the, the typical tale of bmx like i'm working i'm busy and i got a girlfriend and it's like yeah i had all those things but because of my summers off and because of like my perspective on it i kept riding mm-hmm. um and i shouldn't say that they didn't ride but i kept riding like uh with a lot of gusto a lot of you know i was like i'm not giving i'm not i'm not slowing down and but then I did. I did become a teacher, and mm-hmm. I graduated eventually. I think it was 2008, and I started teaching. And I taught until two year, a year and a half, two years ago now. So that would be just sixteen eight, eight or nine years almost. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love, I love, I love it. And, and it's, a, it's an awesome job, but it's also a really hard job. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do it right, you need to really commit to being a good teacher. And, um, I I did that, but my life was stressful. It was teaching and riding, and my my wife, or my girlfriend at the time, you know? And and that was really it. I mean, a lot of riding, but like not a lot of time for other like random projects and stuff, really besides just riding, riding, riding. And uh, even though I'm on a hiatus right now from teaching, I'm not done. Like, I definitely want to keep doing it. Um, It just, the time isn't right, and I've found that I can do other things right now, and that teaching will most likely be there in a few years you know my degree won't expire too much mm-hmm. and i wanted to do too much work to get back into it but yeah i guess on your timeline back then you know 2008 is when the scene was changing as everybody's was growing up and i also grew up you know i had to get a real job and a nine to five in some ways you know
0: yeah and were you teaching in the states were you teaching it at your local area so so interestingly so obviously you know
1: didn't figure this out people listening is that i'm uh from milwaukee wisconsin and yeah. uh uh i got out as the market crashed i got in school like 08 yeah 08 you 08 know, The market crash at the same time not to get into politics here but um, scott walker uh, was elected governor of wisconsin and mm. he was one of the first governors to basically just say fuck unions um and you know, like they're the reason that we had all these problems and they have and he destroyed this, the the teachers union. There was a bunch of issues, he cut a bunch of budgets, and basically there were no jobs and it was not for teachers. And I substituted for a year in Milwaukee and I was getting anxious to like do something, so I went to an international job fair in Iowa on a whim and they all, some school it's in so I you know, I had you pre handing your resume, you pre your your cover letter, and then these there's like a hundred schools there from all over the world and they they like the day when well, they send you like a little letter in your little mailbox thing that's there. And they say, Hey, we're interested in you and you fit our criteria, come see us. And of course, I'm a nobody with no experience and I'm a, you know, whatever. So only two schools want to see me. One is in Puerto Rico and one is in Nicaragua. And I walk up to the table and the guy looks at me and goes, Hey, you're the you're the BMX biker, huh? And that's how my interview started, and I got oh. the job. And that is not the first time that happened. And, um, I got another job when I came back to Milwaukee a couple years later. Same thing. So you ride right, BMX? Let's talk about that. That's the first thing, not like what's your teaching philosophy and that shit. So like, yeah, like uh, I ended up teaching in Nicaragua for a year, and it was it was tough. It was
0: really hard being that far from home for the first time ever, um, and. You know, being broke as fuck. I wasn't prepared. I, I just ran off and did it. You know, I, I basically went there with my bike, a suitcase, and a backpack. We got we got minimal buzzing. And we're, re- we're recording. We're good. All right. So, sorry about that. Not a problem, man. Again, dude, I feel it. I understand. Don't worry about it. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> Cut that. Cut that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, we left off when you were going, you went to Nicaragua? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so I know I can cut this in so that you
1: can, uh, I think I will start with uh, the part where uh, I I said, so yeah, I like went with my bag, so okay.
2: Yeah, Yeah, So, like, I I just, you know, I wasn't prepared. I just up and left kind of like with a backpack, a a suitcase, and my bike. And -hmm. it was tough, you know, I was living down there like first time abroad
0: like i had spoken spanish and since high school eight nine years ago and you know so i had a barely barely any spanish and i had left my lady behind um Jeez. Uh, at, at first uh-huh. and it
1: was just uh super challenging and i i found myself you know in many ways when i was there and um when my my lady came down halfway through and kind of helped me like reorient my life. And then I moved back. And when I moved back, I had like a fresh understanding of, of kind of, okay, this is, you know, life. I kind of had just been rolling as a BMXer and Mm -hmm. going to school, but not really thinking too hard about the future or thinking about like, I don't know, just kind of taking care of myself beyond having fun. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and being like a good person you know like just like not being kind of selfish and just concerned
0: with only having fun and riding bikes and hanging out with my friends I mean that's really important shit obviously but uh, so when I came back yeah. I, I was able to reorient myself so it was like a really important important turning point of my life for more than those reasons but it was a huge turning point so when I came back um it was like a new like a it was like a new chapter in my life started wow Damn That's crazy That's Is that in the book too? Um, I actually wrote a short, short story about it That was in Matt Copeland's last book Not the one he just published It was uh, about making family Out of BMXers no matter where you are in the world mm-hmm. So Yeah um, One of the One of the things you mentioned when we were we were Outlining this was uh The cultural uh, Whatchamacallit we'll Cultural issues abroad. Ah, yeah. You know,
1: that, uh, I've lived now in, let's see here, I've lived in three different countries, but I've tried, you know, and I've ridden in like six or seven now. And,
0: Uh you know, there's, first of all, living somewhere and and riding and visiting somewhere riding are much different, of course. Mm -hmm. And when you live somewhere and you ride,
1: you really realize how
0: different a scene can be. And right, and yeah. Of people talk about how challenging it can be to move from a city to a different city in the United States. And I think I don't, I think I didn't appreciate how challenging that could be
1: mm-hmm. and, You know, look, looking at some of the things my friends are going through right now, you know, like moving and be like, Oh, I can't really, you know, people that I'm close to that I can, I can talk to. And I'm like, Oh, how are you doing? They're like, Oh, I'm not doing great. It's actually kind of tough here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, it's really interesting to hear. I wouldn't have
0: thought about that, but, living in a different country takes it to a whole other level where
1: it's not just, it's not just BMX or like local stuff. It's, it's everything's different.
2: Right. And BMX is a bridge.
1: And I, I'm not going to lie. Like when I wrote that story about Nicaragua, part of it was like kind of pie in the sky. Like it, it did feel like, like maybe it's because I was like really struggling down there. And those mm-hmm. were like the only dudes that really got me through it for a couple months, six mm-hmm. months, eight months. And I think that I felt really close to them, mm-hmm. but this time around, living in two different foreign countries in the last four years, it's been a lot harder, and mm. I think maybe it's because when I went there, I had less expectation, and then coming here, like, trying to maintain being a, I don't want to say being a professional bike rider, I mean, maintain being a serious, committed BMX rider who's still part of BMX as, yeah. as, a, as a culture, it's tough because um, it turns out that in other countries, people have a lot of other shit going on. And, I mean, yeah, in the United States we do too, but, like, life is life, and it's way more important to worry about life here than bike running. It becomes, yes, it's a lifestyle for these dudes, but it's also more of a hobby because,
2: you know, there's, like, less, safe, there's less social safety nets. There's, mm-hmm. less, there's less leeway. Like, shit just hits the fan. People get jacked. People get sick.
1: Like, you right. know, like, you make no money, you lose your job, and then you fucking live it in a hut. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of shit happens, and not everybody, but a lot of BMXers that I run into, like I would say seventy percent of the BMXers that I hang out with, do not have a lot of money, do not come from a very good background. Mm-hmm. So like life gets in the way, and and you can't be mad about it, but it's like it's tough to find dudes that are like in my age group or even even a little, a lot younger. We're willing to like devote themselves to BMX. It's more like I will ride when I can, mm-hmm. and then when I do ride, I want to cruise and have fun. And I'm like, yeah, I want to do that too, but I want to ride every day, and I want to film every other day. And <laughs> I want you to push me, and I want to, I want to fucking go explore, and I want to hunt down spots, and I want to do what I always did. Yeah. And that's just not a thing right. in a lot of the places I've been to, and mm-hmm. it's it's tough. It's it's forced me to
0: ride alone a lot, which I really don't like, mm-hmm. but I'm learning to like it. <laughs> It's also been a challenge though to me because I have never really stopped being committed mm-hmm. in the last 20 almost 25 years now it's just right now it's probably the hardest it's ever been but I, I think I think if I look back mm-hmm. I've always kind of
1: I've always been the old guy mm-hmm. when I was 17 I was riding with 14 year olds when yeah. I was 20 I was riding with 16 year olds when I was 26 I was riding with 22 year olds and it's because and we all know this the, the, the population pyramid of BMX gets narrower the higher you get up because yeah. it's, it's harder like yeah. there's peer pressure, there's social pressure, there's life pressure and uh, I think that sticking out sticking out all these years was, it was hard work but it wasn't that hard compared to what it is now now it's like really challenging for me to stick not to stick with BMX but to like Get out of BMX when I'm so used to getting out of it because of where I am but I mean still backing up Mm. I think about how crazy it is how many eras of BMX people see right like I don't know about you but I can give you like I can give you like a list of names and go okay so that was the Andy Kent era Mm. and that was like he was my main dude you know and then Mm. there was then there was the the Edson Nieves era, and he was my main fucking dude, you know. And like, there's all these eras that I went through, and I can't think that I'm the only one, right? But again, you gotta think, like I said, that population pyramid gets skinnier up to the top. I'm sure there's these other dudes that you still see out there, right? Like the guys that are still riding after after all these years. Like, damn, that dude's still riding. And it's like, yeah, because they've also gone through this, mm-hmm. and there's only a few of them left and by few I mean there's hundreds right but I mean you know think about all the dudes that you grew up with riding how many of those dudes still
0: ride at least once a week yeah yes it's very slim how about once a month right Mm -hmm. like even that's like
1: a stretch once every few
0: months yeah because I feel like BMX is that weird thing where like it doesn't it does not lend itself to the casual user that well because the less you ride, the less it's gonna feel good to do, kinda. Yeah. And that's, and, a, that's a very good point. I I remember living in Philly with my buddy Kyle and he was like fiending to ride every day, every other day and for, for a little bit I didn't catch on to what he was getting on to and then I realized like where he was with his progression and I was like oh he's on one right now he's got all the shit he's he's trying to advance on and he knows if he stays on it it's only going to get better for him yep. and he's trying to get it done
2: Yeah. and that, that momentum is definitely you
1: know like getting hurt you feel the, the lack of momentum winter you feel that like you know, think about it when when you get hurt or when when winter hits or when something comes up you you're like ah shit shit i can't like
0: it's that like frenetic drive to get back to it mm-hmm. that like that's like a momentum and i think that i have never let myself lose momentum right right because and when i start to lose it like i have like so in the last three years it's the momentum's getting slowed down because I'm not riding every day, right? right? But it's funny, I'm riding less now than I ever have, but when I do ride, it's really meaningful mm-hmm. and I'm more involved in BMX than I've ever been because it's the way I get my BMX is by like writing, reading, talking, interviewing, going yeah. to events and you know, I used to ride before I left Milwaukee a couple years ago, I ride like five days a
1: week. Mm-hmm. You know, now I ride like, well, when I'm not Gone or hurt. I'm riding like twice a week, mm-hmm. but I really make it worth it and I want to ride more. It's just, it's harder. Shit. And I think by me doing all these other projects, it helps keep the momentum, which also, I guess, speaks to why I've been doing projects in BMX since the 90s. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, if I couldn't actually be on my bike, I wanted to be doing something related to my bike. Mm-hmm. But I also wasn't just like, some people like like i don't really watch bmx videos and i don't really like i mean i watch i watch videos but like you know be like oh i watched a video like yeah i'll I'll get a video i'll watch it once Mm -hmm. and then that's about it like i enjoy it and i'm like oh cool like i want to respect what they did i want to see it and i think a lot of people think think that like being part of bmx is like riding and then watching videos all the time Mm -hmm. and then like well you don't ever watch videos
2: like yeah but like I do other, I mean, like, I'm still, like, thinking about it, like, if I'm, like, making a flyer, or, like, trying to do something, so it's, like, right. I think we all have our, we all have our own ways
1: of keeping momentum in BMX, and, um, it's just, uh, it's just interesting to see how that manifests, because some people, it's filming, right, like, a lot of people, it's, that's how they stay, like, oh, when I'm not riding, I'm
0: filming riding, which mm-hmm. is, a, it's another cool outlet within our culture, but, mm-hmm. So I don't know where I'm going. I'm all over the fucking place. I'm sorry <laughs> admit, I'm clapping. No, that's cool, dude. I'm I'm taking it all in cuz you're right though cuz and um so I think I think that brings us to a good point of the book, the website and the podcast. So the the, <laughs> the book came first? Uh actually the website came first. Okay, cuz I wasn't I I apologize that I wasn't familiar with the website until I had already heard your podcast. And I was like, This is totally understandable. (laughs) I was like, Holy shit. Like, this, like, I remember when I I was checking out, like, the contact form and you had little check boxes, like, check that you read this and check that you read that. And I was like, This guy is thorough. Like, he just. Yeah. You know, I think a little too thorough sometimes. And I, I mean,. I'm working on it. Like, <laughs> you know, it's a
1: balance. And I think, I think what Uh, so for those of you listening, if, if this is a great time to say it, the website is mm-hmm. Um It's I-M-P-R-I, no,
2: fucking it, figured it out. I'm not going to spell it anymore. But, I mean, what it really, what it really is a, about is me trying to, like bring something to BMX that I thought was, was missing or that I thought could be helpful and supplementary. But I brought to it this
1: perspective that if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to bring some sort of media to BMX, I can't do what everybody else is doing or even be close to it, or else it's just more of the same. Mm-hmm. And what's the point? So that is probably why it seems so Fucking far away in some ways from from BMX, and sometimes I think I've been told by people like, "Hey, I see what you're trying to do, man, but it's just it's like five steps too far ahead, and like (laughs) it's just it's five steps too out of sync." And I've wrestled with that, right? I wrestled Mm -hmm. with the idea of like, of I don't want to say dumbing it down because that's not what it's about, but like of
2: finding a balance where it's closer to. What is happening in BMX,
1: but also on the flip side, say, fuck it, I want to elevate BMX and I want to contribute what I believe is worth contributing, so I think Mm -hmm. the podcast is that balance, and I can thank the Mung for that because he basically said, hey, you should talk about this shit because some people aren't, most people aren't going to read this, but they'll more likely listen to you talk, so you know, he inspired me and, and we had a podcast, and it was Pretty successful in, and I said, Okay, but here's the balance I'm not gonna do a podcast like everybody else. And I I do in some ways, I'm not trying to kid myself, I'm not fucking reinventing the wheel, but like, I yeah, really yeah. try hard to do something different in the sense that, like, I don't want to interview people, mm-hmm. I want to talk about ideas and politics and culture. And sometimes it's, it's strange, sometimes I'm like, Okay push too hard and other times it works really well and mm-hmm. i guess that's that's part of doing anything right like you fuck up like
0: i look at some of the things that the first
1: things i wrote and i'm like you know i wrote that and i don't really i don't think i believe it anymore i think i've learned as i wrote it and as i wrote more that my perspectives have changed and i think if you listen to the leno pod you can hear me kind of like uh like dealing with that like mm-hmm. leno is like kind of helping me tear down some ideas and, and rebuild some new ones so yeah. It's, the, the website's definitely been a journey of self-discovery, but I mean, I'm really trying to add to BMX. I swear to you, it's not just me <laughs> trying to sound smart and put everybody through the fucking ringer. Yeah. Like, it's me trying to add something. And when I write something that doesn't feel uh, like like high enough level, I'm like, Nah, fuck it. I need to make this higher. I need to make this stand out because that's what I'm doing. And if I'm not then I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. And I told myself I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't know, maybe it's painful for some people. I know some people have gotten kind of mad at me. People call me up like, yo, your shit is too high and mighty. No one gives a fuck about your stupid, high and mighty opinions. Go ride your bike.
0: And I'm like, you know what? Fine. And other <laughs> people are like, thank you. It's cool to hear people my age or people thinking. So, yeah, I don't know. I keep doing it. I just, yesterday was writing a piece and I got really discouraged and pissed and then I was like, this is garbage, and I just, like, walked away from my computer. So, I mean, it's an up-and-down process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I used to write articles on my site because I just thought it was an interesting idea. I wanted to explore thoughts that I didn't see necessarily other places. And I did that for a while, and I thought it was a cool idea, but this was all before um Instagram and Twitter really kind of took a lot more control. So, it got to a point where it was like no one's fucking reading this shit anyway. But when I when I ran my stats, my my articles were just as popular as the videos I was putting so much time into. So, I knew that there was some kind of interest there. But um Long story short, I'll cut this out, but I I transferred my WordPress to a Tumblr because I I was feeling so, uh, like, my shit isn't worth paying a hosting fee for. Let me transfer it to this free Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. I tried to transfer my articles over, and some did, some didn't, and so I lost a lot of interesting shit that I thought was cool, you know? And so then I... I took a year long like break in social media like with the yeah and kind of promoting that kind of shit and when I when I kind of came back around I I had these ideas still and I wanted to express them and I was like well I kind of don't feel like writing a laborious article anymore because I don't know if anyone's even going to read it Yeah. and I don't even know like how much time I want to put into it but I do want it I, I want to express what I can where I can uh, you know, like like uh, speaking with Lawhead, it was it was a really cool topic to talk to him about. Um, as he gets older, he feels like he has to be, I mean, I think I would side with him. Like you almost have to be more passionate to, to be able to hold on to that two a day or two a week, once a week sessions. Yeah. You, know, you have to be really into it or else you're gonna skip it. And then one week turns into two weeks, turns into never. And that's a scary thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've uh, – how many times have you ever considered quitting? Me? Yeah. Um. I will
2: tell you what. I have a really good – I have not good – I have a solid answer to that question. But I do <laughs> want to speak to what you just said, by the way. Yeah. And and give credit. By the way, I, I don't believe – and you just gave – perfect
1: example that I'm the first person to ever say I want to elevate the conversation of BMX mm-hmm. By a matter of fact I'm definitely one of the last people probably to say that but that I one I knew that I wasn't the first and thus that's why I was like I'm going to elevate it even fucking further yeah. to something that I understand
0: and that's academia right like, right. like writing like a college paper writing like a yeah. sort of so that's why I did it and two the other part is like there's like this kind
1: of discuss- those kind of discussions are not that popular in BMX. So a lot of them were happening and none of us knew mm-hmm. because they weren't being spread. Right. Because it was at the same time as you said, as like, in- as like social media was popping up and people are doing cool shit, but unless you're part of that crew,
2: it was almost impossible to find. Right. So to all those people out there that are listening and thinking, well, I fucking did this, and I'm like,
1: my response is kudos I wish I would have fucking seen it, and please tell me about it because I want to know.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> now, going back to your question about thinking about quitting, I've only thought about quitting once, hmm. and it was I, I, my back blew out, and I couldn't figure out what it was. I couldn't sleep. I was laying in bed all night, like like twitching because I was having like nerve oh, damage. Damn. Like, like it, and it lasted six months before I finally got a handle on it. And then Mm -hmm. it took another six months before I was truly back at it. So like, right before I moved to Nicaragua, and this is probably part of why I moved to Nicaragua in in 08, 09, 010-ish, somewhere around there, was because I was also thinking, this is it. Like, I'm at that point, what would I have been? I was in my mid-20s, and I was like, you know what, I made it this far. I guess time to hang it up. My body isn't, I mean, I I could barely walk. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to ride anymore. And I was like, I guess... I'm going to try to heal, but if I don't, I might have to quit. And then I, I was like, well, fuck it. Like I'll go to Nicaragua, I'll work. And my back was just getting a little bit better at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was able to kind of ride, but it would still like slip out all the time. And that's why I was like, okay, fuck it. I can do this. I can move out of the country. And if I can only ride once a month and I can only ride in, in flatland in front of my house, then I'll deal with it because I'm, I'm moving on. And I, I realized... Fuck that! I'm not moving on.
0: Like, you know, yeah. just entertaining that thought for a little bit. I was like, yeah, fucking right. Yeah, yeah. And I came back and I, I, I still
1: struggle to this day with my back. I mean, it got it gets better every year as I learn how to deal with it. But um, I came back and I would say that it was like, like I said, that was a new 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 period for me. Like I hit it harder than I ever hit it before. And at that same time, I met. Um, I started riding hard with Grant C. Mm-hmm. And I found kind of a partner. And I think uh, sometimes I forget that. Like I rode almost nine years straight, almost every single day with Grant. And it, and I don't mean this in in any offensive way to Grant. It wasn't because him and I were best friends for years before that, Mm -hmm. or something like that. It was just we both shared an equal or uh, a similar perspective on BMX. We loved it. We wanted to ride street every fucking day. We wanted to film everything, and we were just, we just did not want to stop. Mm-hmm. And we fed into that. I think that's why it became that, like, he really helped me stick it out. And that era kind of ended only when I left Milwaukee. So that was, like, recently, you know, a couple of years back here. Mm-hmm. And that
0: was, like, a big, a big turning point for me. So, yeah, I never,
1: I never really thought about quitting except for when I thought I was going to be forced to quit. I thought I was, I I was going to be unable to ride. Mm-hmm. And if I was able to ride, I was going to throw my back out to the point where I couldn't walk or sleep. So, I was like, I don't know if I can do this, but yeah. I woke up from that. And I now I'm like, it's amazing because I was talking about this in the podcast
0: that I do is every year, dudes older than us still fucking killing it. Yeah. Like, I'd yeah. say, Martinez won the X Games. He's my age. He's like a couple, I think he's a couple weeks younger than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, he's the stopping. Why am I stopping? I'm not nearly as badass as him. So, yeah. I will probably milk no it even longer, you know? speaking speaking from one BMx nerd to another do you ever do you remember seeing a picture of joe rich it was like he was airing out of a vert ramp and it was like some it might have been for like a birthday thing I think he was like 36 or something like that and he was like 12 foot out of he was like 12 foot out of like a legit half pipe like a like a real vert ramp I don't remember that okay. um, I don't know where no, I saw I, it no I don't it might have been on some random site, but I just remember seeing. Oh my God! It doesn't. It doesn't end as you approach forty. Holy no, shit! No, And it seems like a lot of the dudes are getting better. And yeah,
2: like they're not jumping off roofs anymore. But like, yeah, they're still riding really hard. Like, I was stressing out. It was up. It's been two years. Two years ago now. I was stressing out to do a uh,
1: doing a king trail. I was oh. in Ecuador actually, and Dan Crook and. and grant where they were filming and i was freaking out i couldn't do this king trail and i was like trying i was getting scared because i get down to the end and i thought i was gonna fall over and like into like like it turned
0: at the end so if like you bail at the end of course you'll rack yourself on the turned rail and right
2: and i'm freaking
1: out i'm like dude what's wrong with me and dan crook probably the nicest thing he ever said to me he goes dude you gotta think about it man like you you're doing pretty awesome you're in your you're in your mid 30s doing kinked rails still like how many how many dudes are in that club still and I was like, <laughs> man i mean it wasn't like some super gnarly kinked rails it was like really hard um, but yeah. it was still like i was like i think about that all the time and i'm like damn that means a lot to me you know like that like i'm still trying to push myself and it's yes it's always about what's what you know you compared to you right but yeah you still have to think about like where you are in bmx
0: sometimes and like Especially for someone like me that still wants to put things out And like help You know like help push BMX Mm -hmm. Like it's cool to think like okay like I'm not totally out of the loop As I get older Yeah Yeah I think I think the simple act of riding is What keeps your finger on the pulse Is the fact that you ride Yeah And it's the cheapest market research that anybody That's in like I don't know Anybody that's in the industry it's like go ride and there you go. Yeah. See what it's all about because that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, we mentioned the website, we mentioned the podcast. Where did the, I just want to touch on the book here for a second. Where did the book fall in the, in that timeline? You know, I would, actually, I would actually say I said the website started first because the website was the first thing to manifest but
1: mm-hmm. um, they actually, the website and the book were kind of parallel. Um, okay. i you know, always been into writing. I, I was, you know, I would. I loved writing articles for magazines when I had the opportunity. I loved writing articles for Midwest BMX.net when I had the opportunity. So, like, you know, I, I was an amateur writer. And I'm, by the way, I still am an amateur writer. But so I was always into writing, and any opportunity I got. And um, at the same time as I was starting to write things for Imperator and build the website, Matt Copeland asked me to write a short story for his uh, second book. Um, I think it, it's called "Let Me Tell You About the Time." Mm-hmm. And i don't know if it's still in print if it is i think dig might carry it in their web store but cool. it's a collection of 16 or so chapters from all different bmxers uh, about stories and that was the one i wrote about nicaragua and it just i was like man i always talk about writing and i just wrote a chapter i should start writing a memoir like of all the crazy stories i have and i was like yeah yeah that's like you know when i get older <laughs> and i started making a list though and when those stories would come up, I'd tell the stories over and over again over my life and they would come up and I would I would add it to the list. I had like a little note on my phone and I looked mm. at it one day and I was like, I should just write these now, like Sick. before I'm dead or forget. So right. <laughs> I started writing a couple and then I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll write it when I'm inspired. Maybe it takes me five years. Who gives a shit, right? Maybe it takes me 20 years. And then um, I quit my teaching job in ecuador um after one year being there and i had a lot more free time and i was Mm -hmm. you know just starting to like you know pick things up with madera more and uh i just would work on madera stuff in the morning and then do stuff around the house and then in the afternoon i would just sit down and write for like three hours Mm -hmm. like before my wife got home i just write and the next thing you know i had you know all the chapters i had hundreds of pages written and um, I got that far and I was like well fuck now I have not committed so I like did yeah. the whole thing you know and I um, worked with uh, some editors worked with uh, Russell Wadlin, he helped design um, the layout and he's like a real meticulous artist so he was like no let's do this fucking right like we're not just gonna send it off we're gonna mm. we're gonna like figure out what the golden ratio is for like the margins and you know we're gonna learn he said I'm gonna learn how to like write like publish a book properly and and we worked on it and i kind of set a goal and from basically the first story that i sat down to write until i held a book in my hand was 1 year awesome so and i just i have that problem like when i start something if i if i actually do it i just can't stop until it's finished right so i i oftentimes i have ideas and i'll pitch ideas i pitch a lot of crazy ideas to people and if that's it that's all I go with. But like, if someone like jumps on with me and says, yeah, let's do this. I'm fucking going and I'm going to go till it's done. And that's just how it went. And it was, it was cool that I had some support along the way because without my wife, without Russell, without some other friends and without inspiration from Matt, it never would have happened. But I also was just, I was like, I'm not, I'm not, not doing this. I'm fucking making it happen. So, um, and that book, I have a few copies left. I was really like stoked how many people supported me. I think the first day I put it up, I sold like almost my entire first run, and I was just really humbled that that many people
0: actually would pay to listen to me blab instead of just fucking skim a website or you know listen to a podcast myself. So, yeah. Um, and that that is where I am. That that's where I am with that book. I guess it's, you know it's already um, on the shelf, and I'm stoked as fuck on it. Hell yeah! That's awesome to hear. Now, um, I guess this might be switching gears back over to the injury thing but or about the quitting thing but did you we talked about um kind of finding like a good balance of progression versus risk kind of keeping yourself together and for all those people listening
1: the the technical difficulties that we have encountered tonight have been i would say it's payback maybe for the 18 podcasts i've done and only once, maybe had a small technical difficulty. So I think maybe all those ball ups that I was due for are dumped on you, and I'm sorry. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's, you know, you, you
0: may or may not edit this out, but there's a lot of cuts in here because we've got, we've hung up on each other numerous times. We don't have video anymore. It's cutting out. But we're fucking BMXers. We're resilient. We're going to make this work. Yeah, th- this went from like an HD video call to like an AM radio session. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. So. No, so anyway, uh, that's a that's a good a good question. Balance. Um, I would actually say that going back to Nicaragua, mm-hmm. and this is this is total hindsight. Like I'm just thinking about this right now, and I, I kind of love this part about these podcasts. Is like, um, I'm thinking and learning right now. Is that in hindsight, it was also a turning point where I had to learn about balance. Right? Mm-hmm. I had to learn about like riding all the time and doing nothing else, and then basically leaving the country and not riding and only working and, and, adventuring. And it was, it, I came back and I was like, yeah, I got to figure out how to balance shit. And I would say that, um, I've gotten pretty good at balancing BMX and life and, and, a wife and professionalism and, uh, I'm sorry, professionalism. The fuck is that? I don't even say it, Bob, but professional <laughs> career and yeah. all that. But, um, the, the, the newest balance that I've been working on though, as we just talked about with, um, age and getting older bmx is risk versus reward in bmx mm-hmm. and i mean i was never a hucker. i was always a calculated rider and i would say that i've always had this i've had a pretty similar perspective on like taking risks in bmx since the 90s mm-hmm. and i would argue that i'm no more of a pussy now than i ever was <laughs> meaning that I, I'm, I'm generally kind of a pussy but I don't think I'm, as I've gotten older I don't think I'm any more of a pussy I but sometimes it comes off because we'll be on trips like Madeira and stuff and they'll be like you're gonna fucking do that and I'm like nah and they're like what do you mean nah and I'm like I, I don't even need to think about it because I already know that I can't do it or I know that there's a, a very high chance that I'll get hurt because I know what I'm capable of now and I would say 9 out of 10 times, that's a totally, like, Mike, Mike, you're in tune with your BMX life, you've been doing this for almost 25 years, you get it. 9 out of 10 times makes perfect sense, and I don't need to fucking take a risk, because why? But, the 1 out of 10, that 1 out of 10 is the one that I probably used to take the chance on, (laughs) that now, sometimes I don't take the chance, and I'm like, actually, yeah, you might stifling your own progression a little bit but Mm. you you can only like there are like if there's any sort of doubt and this goes back to when you're 16 or when you're 37 right like there's any sort of doubt it's not usually a way to enter into it there's a difference between being like oh i'm like i'm nervous about this and i don't think i have the skills to do this and if i'm nervous now i try to just say hey do you think you can do this? Okay, you're nervous. You just gotta fight that and send it. You gotta say, fuck it, even if it doesn't feel exactly right. But when there's doubt, where you really truly doubt your ability, I'm more likely now to trust myself on that. And again, like I said, nine out of 10 times, it's fucking the right thing to do because you'll get wrecked and get really wrecked. Mm-hmm. The one out of 10 times that I, uh, that I, that I, sh- you know, should just send it, there's still a high chance that when I was 16, even, that I would have gotten fucking smoked. And the reality is I guess the balance now is I'm okay with that. I don't need I don't need to get smoked. Right. I can I can maybe miss out on one. Holy shit, I can't believe that worked. I can miss out on one of those every once in a while and not get smoked and right. still build able ride fucking all the time. Like I try I don't want to be hurt, you know, I don't want to break my leg or some shit doing something that like whatever. So I don't know. I, I don't think that much has really changed for me. And the only thing that's really changed as I've gotten older is my body just takes longer to recover. Mm -hmm. I go out and ride hard and I film a clip for fucking four hours. The next day I'm smoked. I'm, I'm chilling. Yeah. But, you know, but I will go the next day when I'm recharging it and try something probably just as scary as I would have tried when I was 25 or 19. Um, so yeah, that, that balance is something that I've, I think I figured out a long time ago and I'm proud of it, but, I do appreciate some of my friends Giving me shit Jeff K And Dan Crook Have a tendency to call me out And be like Nah man You're a bitch You should do this You can do this And sometimes we all need that
0: Right and Yeah that. For sure God. I I don't I remember in your Horizon part I feel like he threw the bars a bunch
1: Yeah yeah I mean I was I was early on the bar spin game I was just mad at him man I was really fucking bad at bar When I first started riding But I was like
0: really into them so I tried and they were just <laughs> fucking bad the determination um, was there yeah I mean the joke
1: was always that the ground would catch them for me and if you look <laughs> at someone's horizon bar spins I'm landing like suicide noander and I still pull them out
0: <laughs> that's inspiration though cause it's like oh, man <sighs> bar spins for me it's like I will bitch hop a hundred times before I throw them once and then you know same here it's crazy I uh, see I have I have two tricks that I do that on and people give me so much shit
1: but then I never get hurt so mm, right. I bitch out, I'll bitch out of bar spins over and over and over again and I'll I don't push run rails much anymore it's been years since I really did that but sometimes I do still and people are like are you really bitch running a rail It's just a, and I'm like this one's just stressing me out a little bit I just want to get in my head about it but I bitch run it, and then I pull it first try. And I'm not saying, like, oh, fucking badass. It's just sometimes I, I need that, that like, recalibration. And with bar spins, I just wait for the perfect one because I don't want it to be what they used to be. Like, I want it to be,
0: okay, I, I pushed out ten times, and when I sent it, it was, like, straight, you know, boom, caught it. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: But, I mean, I'm also a bitch when it comes to <laughs> bar spins. I have a tendency to fucking not throw them because
0: I'm an idiot. <laughs> hey yeah I'm uh I'm pretty pussified when it comes to certain things man I mean and you know what's funny though is that to me BMX I meet people that don't ride BMX and they're like
1: <laughs> oh you must be like an adrenaline junkie and I'm like nah yeah. I'm, I'm not like I, I don't like that feeling I the things we do are, are, are scary but we've built ourselves up to them right and that's why there's certain, certain things that like like for example bar spinning like a big gap or something like i might jump it 10 fucking times before i bar spin it because i'm building it up like okay i feel comfortable i feel comfortable and yeah i'm sorry that might be boring to watch for my friends waiting and they get mad about
0: it but then i'm gonna hopefully do it you know right (laughs) most times (laughs) yeah so do you do any like a foam roller or anything like that to keep yourself do you uh do any kind of like uh, exercises or like foam roller or any kind of like oh. stretches.
1: Um yeah, I mean I have done bare minimum yoga mm-hmm. like stretching every morning since I blew my back out in two thousand eight. Right. I would say every morning since maybe miss three a year. So I mean wow. I have stretched every morning since because my back still is, is tweaked and fucked up. Um and when i have time i like to do yoga but like real yoga like actually go to like a class but dude yoga's hard as shit and every time i do it i like it like takes me out for a day if i'm not like in the zone (laughs) so a lot of times i can't do workouts in yoga because either i'm hurt from riding Mm -hmm. or because it'll hurt me because it's like i'm not like you know it's like bmx like you said like you gotta do it constantly to be in it if you only do it like once in a while when you do it it fucks you up and then you can't ride for like three days so like I stretch every day with some minor yoga shit, but like, mm-hmm. I am hitting that age where I'm like, I gotta start working out and like get a little flabby, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to realize like my lady's been making me do yoga and I was
0: doing it every day with her until I hurt my ankle and now it's like, oops, not yeah. doing yoga again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I had a buddy invite me to a, on a race trip this winter and I preemptively got excited, and I didn't want to be wasted the first hour I was there. So I was doing cardio the whole week leading up to it. Yeah. And then uh, there was a huge snowstorm, and we ended up not. I ended up not being able to go on the trip. I was like, "Fuck." Nah, fuck. Yeah.
1: But um. Well, the cardio was good. Your heart is happy, at least it thanked you.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um. So. One of the things I wanted to bring up because I, I read it in the Challenger magazine. Uh, I think you like you bought an ad for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that made my that that was awesome. That made me laugh my ass off. Uh, I have it here, right here. Let me. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and read it because I don't remember exactly what I said. Right. It was
1: in the classifieds,
0: right? Yeah. Shout out to Challenger. I really like what they're Definitely. doing. Definitely shout out to Challenger. It's one of the Do coolest it. things, man. Doing an awesome thing. Okay. Uh, let's see where. <laughs> Want to read some long ass shit about BMX and have your head explode? Or maybe listen to a podcast with some dude who looks so deep into BMX that he never came back? <laughs> you do. <laughs> com. <EmperorModerbmx.com. laughs> That's I M P R I M A T U R BMX.com. There you go. <laughs> Thanks right, for Yeah, that was... Go ahead. Go ahead. That was my personality shining through uh, about something that is
1: absurd, and that's what I do at Informata, like we talked about
0: before. Yeah. So, yeah, and and I wanted to bring that up about, like, you know, in order to put yourself out there on a podcast, or like you did earlier on Instagram this week where you kind of, like, recorded asking people for ideas and shit, like, you kind of... Have to be able to not take yourself too seriously, right? And is there was there like a uh, a change that you had to go through to do that? Was it a little scary at first for you, or you know, um, the the short answer, the shallow answer is
1: that I was nervous about the beginning of imprimatur BMX because I knew. That my mission was to be tra- like shed, shed light and be transparent about BMX culture and talk about things that people weren't talking about and I knew I was nervous that I'd piss people off and I'm I and I was nervous that by writing it down that I would like put myself in a position to get um, like pulled out of context and like ripped into and fuck with argued with. Mm-hmm. But I also was like, But that's what I want. I want people to argue with me. I want
0: people to discuss this and debate it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I you know, like my wife is like, you know, my 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 best friend and she she knows more about BMX than most BMXers, honestly. <laughs> and just, you know, and like yeah, she like she knows what the fuck's going on. So like I like, you know, was like weighing it with her and discussing with her and she she encouraged me to
1: do it and and in another hand she was like well this isn't this isn't like you And I'm, you know and that that's the bigger answer the bigger answer is uh, BMX in in the 90s so I was a fuck let's go let's, let's go all the fuck back man 6th grade 6th yeah. grade I'm in 6th grade I am the most average dude ever blonde hair blue eye just average height weight size just average wasn't good at anything wasn't particularly bad anything I was I mean I was book smart but like whatever Mm -hmm. it was really average and I wanted so badly to like stand out but I was like nervous and I didn't have any confidence and I didn't do anything really and then I met some BMX riders and I found BMX and that I mean it sounds cliche but the first time you do something on your bike and Beat it. You beat the fear, you overcome it, and you're like that it's not just a rush of like endorphins or adrenaline or whatever the fuck your body does. It's also this <laughs> rush of of like confidence. Like yeah. I can take an action and I can see a result. Right. And BMX is the ultimate confidence builder because what else in life is as high a risk? Like, and this goes to your question now. Like people are like you know, public speaking, being a teacher, right? Getting in front of groups, people are like oh, you're not, you're not nervous, and I'm like, nah, fuck it. They're like, what, 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 how, how?
0: And I'm like, because if I fuck up, I don't break my neck. If yeah. I fuck up, I don't get a handlebar in my stomach. Like, and
1: I, I just from an early age, BMX made everything else seem so easy.
0: Mm-hmm. Like nothing else seemed hard, nothing else seemed scary, and.
1: Then that translated to, like, putting myself out there. That's, like, even in the Midwest BMX days, like, doing interviews. Like, people are like, oh, like, you know, like, we started to do interviews in front of cameras. And people are like, I'm really weird in front of the camera. And I was like, I don't know. Fucking turn the camera on. I don't care. Like, what's what's the worst
0: going to happen? You know, like, again, I'm used to having a camera pointed at me where I can break my leg. Yes, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. I just say something stupid. So going back to the
1: modern here and that quote from, the Challenger classifieds and the, the video I just put on Instagram is I just I mean I, as long as what I'm putting out I'm proud of I don't give a shit. Right. Like I just have to be able to defend it. And then I've done a few things you know where I look back and I'm like that' oh, that's a little cheesy maybe I shouldn't have done that but like for the most part I'll defend anything I've done and said and once I learn that with Impermoder that all I have to do is just be willing to argue back but like not be a dick about it but be like hey yeah like good point but here's my why i said that and and then turn turn away when people are dicks and mm-hmm. luckily i haven't had much of that i've had a little bit of it but for the most part i haven't been like called out and i'm also at a point in bmx where it's like i don't know what are you gonna do to me i mean i guess i guess if i pissed off the, the owner of pro comadera he could fire me but like in the industry like what what are you gonna do to me at this point like there's I'm not that important and yeah. I'm also like free from any obligation. I'm not really a sponsored rider anymore. I mean I, I work with some brands but like I'm not worried about my contract or any of that shit. So worst case scenario, Team Weed makes a meme out of it and I laugh with it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. That that's kinda what I was getting to as like, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Somebody makes fun of you like like I like like you ever um you ever watch those roasts, Comedy Central Roasts? yeah yeah I've seen those yeah it's like you know I think I think BMX I, that would be like a cool little thing if you ask me is like maybe maybe each year at Nora Cup that somebody else gets roasted like just being able to laugh at yourself I think is so important just in life in general like n- not taking it too seriously like if somebody if I if I did something stupid in a video and somebody took it and made something funny out of it I would laugh with them I'm like oh cool like yeah I was dorky that's good you know good job <laughs> No, I, I mean I
1: think I think hand in hand this also goes again going back to like middle schools like I did realize that another power that you could use another another thing you could use to be confident and it, it become something more than just a bump on the wall was to use humor and to be yeah. to, and silly and again I sometimes even now cross over into being ridiculous and my friends be like yo Turn it down, man. <laughs> like you're, you're a little fucking off the hook tonight. Like, but like, you know, I think that when you can laugh about it, but also learn from it, right? Yeah. I know this sounds like yeah. a fucking. You know, it sounds like a, a motivational speech, but the reality is, I think the biggest way the one of the keys success in life is uh, self evaluation because it's how you learn, and learning is how you move forward in life, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can only do more and do better and grow and and learn by learning from your mistakes and and from your successes and those are all, that only can happen if you're able to look at yourself from the outside and what a better way to look at yourself than also through the eyes of other people who through jokes or through straight up shit talk are looking at you and letting you know what they think and sometimes it hurts sometimes someone says something to you and you're like damn, but The reality is, I don't think anybody's ever said something to me in BMX that wasn't true, and if it, or or if it was true, or if, I'm sorry, if it wasn't like fully true, it was more like it had a basis in truth, like, like you know, like oh, you're a fucking loudmouth, and you like you think. In this case, like oh, you think you're so much smarter than everybody. Well, part of that's true. Part of it is. Part of it is. And I, not that I think that, but part of the, the issue they're getting at is true. On one hand man, it kind of hurts, like, I'm you know, you're making me, you're saying like I'm an asshole, right? But on the other hand, you're like, you're reminding me, hey, dude, like, don't, don't act like you're something more than you are, and stay grounded a little bit, like, remember, like, like, yeah, you know what the word superfluous means, but do do you sound like a fucking asshole using it? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right especially knowing your audience and that doesn't mean that I'm smarter than everybody else I'm right. just different right I liked reading fucking books and I went to college because I love reading them mm-hmm. you know like it mm-hmm. doesn't make me any better than anybody else but when people bring that up it just reminds me and teaches me how to better be balance myself right because yeah I know sometimes I come off as a fucking as, a, as like a, a stuck up dude trying to like like I said in that Challenger ad like a dude that got so deep in he got fucking lost and sometimes I'm writing these pieces I'm like where the fuck am I going with this you know uh, <laughs> and but on the flip side I also don't give a shit I love it and right. I enjoy what I'm writing and
0: you know yeah. I, I try not to offend anybody but yeah sometimes my existence offends them and I guess that's that's part of the game right when you put yourself out there Yeah. Uh, but it's been a long time putting myself out there so I'm just, I guess I'm used to it now yeah now, um with that said, I I guess a little bit on the other side of the coin, one of the reasons I decided to to do different spokes was I was inspired by you, you know, like Well shit, that's I, awesome. When I would hear your podcast, I kept on like thinking of like I kept writing shit down that I wanted to talk about, but I was like, well, he's got no real reason to talk to me for his show. And then like <laughs> after i did a couple i was like well maybe i could just talk to him about about shit because i was getting kind of i i am i'll be the first person to laugh at a meme but at the same time i felt like the conversation was getting a little bit too meme-y like it was just nothing but memes and no real tangible conversation happening yeah and you know you, you had your thing and it was like all right cool there, like there is some stuff going on And then you know things have trickled in within the past year you know Anderson and chris doyle like and they're they're broadcasting their own ends of the neck of the woods and and that's fucking that's as cool as it gets because you know there's i feel like there's like this weird stigma about keeping it core and keeping it street and that's that's why i sent you that youtube video today yeah yeah i think it's the perfect example it's um, for anybody listening it's the Key and Peele skit um, I think it, I think it's titled Proud Thug where they're like they're trying to sit down and do a drug deal and, or talk about the next game plan and the guy's too street to even sit down and then he falls on a wooden stick and he's bleeding and he's like nah fuck it Holmes you know like too, too street to even
1: fucking deal with the stabbing
0: you know yeah and I, so like you know you could, you could think One end of the spectrum Like oh I thought too hard About BMX And then you're like Oh The, the only cool BMX is, just, is if you don't wax a ledge That's the only way It counts Or like you know It's like This shit's ridiculous You know there, there, There's a way out of this You know I, It doesn't have to be Counterproductive No I I agree 100% I
1: think that On one hand Like someone's like Oh there's a, like a you know, Saturation of podcasts In BMX Ooh, another podcast but their hand it's like hey if you're if you're adding something to the conversation and a lot of it is about documenting scenes and people like mine it'd be tough to have another one of mine out there because i'm already stretching to like make it work right like there's a lot of big ideas in bmx but you can only talk so much about so many
0: ideas before mm. you're like okay and mom and I catch ourselves doing it all the time we're like talking in circles after all you're like okay I get it let's move the fuck on like, <laughs> yeah.
1: a lot of other podcasts one can are doing other things hmm. and two they have different perspectives like they, there is stuff to talk about like I mean I don't know shit about trails and I feel bad for it because uh, people have said like I'd like to see more trail stuff. I'm like I don't know anybody that digs trails I haven't ridden trails in fucking 20 years man like and that's I think they're sick. So it's like, it's cool that someone like Doyle is interviewing trail riders. And, and like, I don't know anything about Pennsylvania or fucking, you know, all these other different locations that people are doing podcasts about. And it's sick that people are doing it. So, I mean, more power to it. I'm going to keep doing my thing. And hopefully nobody,
0: quote unquote, copies me because I'm not going to copy them. You know, like, we're all going to grow together then. Yeah. uh, Just. I listened to the Kaczynski one earlier today, and I was really impressed because it's like the topics you guys got to get into was really cool because it wasn't you know it was an hour long and you were able to just just jump right in there. Now we have a lot of prep, you know, like I, like you know you and I prep too, but like this we knew this is gonna be a little looser tonight, but like yeah,
1: I'm I'm really strict, and I mean. And again, to those listening, if you listened and you've reached out to me about doing a podcast that we haven't finished it, you know why. It's because I'm like really strict about having a, a, uh, an outline, and we, f- we don't follow it per se as much as it must exist first because mm-hmm. I don't want to just meander. Yeah. Because um, I want it to be an hour, hour and 15 minutes. That's like my max, and it's longer than that i don't want to do it and that's just that's me that doesn't mean that that's whatever we should do so yeah, yeah. the kachinsky one also not only do we repair but I, as i said there kachinsky is the BMX that i've known the second longest out of all it's the Hmong mm-hmm. and kachinsky are the two bmxers i've known longer than anybody um so
0: um him and i have history you know we've been, we've yeah. been friends for over 20 years
1: so it's a little easier when you know somebody so well
0: to just jump in, you know. Yeah, that's probably what makes it the easiest. And that's that's another thing I wanna bring up is um all of my podcasts up until yours and the one before yours, Denny's, um, were people I had known and met in person. So this is you know, this is my second podcast with somebody who I've I've never actually really met in real life. So it's it's a challenge, it's tricky, you know. I'm doing my best over here. I'm trying. No, I mean, this is awesome. <laughs> but um I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'm sorry there was so much trouble. I feel like, you know, some people would just be like, oh, fuck it, and just hang up and say, save it for another day or something. Nah, man, I'm committed. Huh? <laughs> you know now I'm a committed motherfucker. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, with that said, um, is there anything else you want to shoot the shit about? you have any questions? Um, I, I mentioned
1: earlier that, like, I'm not really pro, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm in this weird spot now. And also, like you brought up the idea of pro, and
0: I've been thinking about the topic of like what is pro. So, um, mm-hmm, yeah, you you work for Madeira, and is it as a team manager, right? Uh, so yeah, Madeira is. Uh, I mean, I kind of do everything now, mm-hmm. except for make the parts and the machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean that like, ooh, I'm,
1: I'm the big dog. It's just it's, it's a one. It's basically a, it's a one man show, and then the team. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean I don't have support, but uh, yeah. So I, I manage the team, um, I you know, you know make all the plans and the budgets and you know of course Grant C um, films and edits all the high high level stuff and I do all the, the, the low level like uh, product features mm-hmm. and bullshit like that. Um, and you know, and like new products and new logos and new clothing and you know uh, our marketing strategies, all that has kind of just fallen onto me as Matt Copeland has um focused more on profile right and, and uh yeah and i mean it's yeah. kind of weird because i rode for Madeira for like i mean i guess i guess i still do but i so i rode for madera since the beginning mm-hmm. um and uh and then like halfway through matt started asking
2: me to just help mom to do x y and z because i was like responsible and, and willing mm-hmm. and uh you know and then eventually we all started getting paychecks
1: um I became like a TM, but not like a TM. Like I was still like a pro, like on the team team. And when we all got paychecks and then I was like, okay, I guess it's official, right? Like I'm on the, I'm on the pro team getting paid, even though we had all been calling ourselves as pro for years,
0: <laughs> which, is weird, which is a weird thing. And then, um, yeah, uh, now in the last few years, I just stopped taking a check and I gave it to somebody else. Cause like, I'm like, Hey, like I don't need the check. You know, mm. I, I'm, I'm going to be here doing it. I'm getting
1: paid to be a TM. Like, I don't need to get double paid. And it, the money is more important to bring another rider in. So, like, mm. I'm a TM, and I have a lot of pride, though. So, like, I, you know, and I still want to ride hard. So, like, I ride just as hard as everybody else does on the team. And, um, I you know, I hope it doesn't come off as me like, oh, you run everything, and you want to get filmed the whole time. But the reality is, like, yeah, running, it's important. But when we're on a trip, it's just like any other trip. It's just five six dudes on the road we're all filming we're all riding and nothing's really changed in the last 10 years when it comes to that so yeah yeah, i manage the team i'm in charge of like where we go what we do and get the boys up in the
0: morning but once the day starts and we get out of the car for me driving to the spot it's it's like it always been you know we're all riding we all take turns with the camera when grand camp you know yeah and and being in that role you kind of get to you get to create the distinction of what is pro and and how that kind of works you have a you have a chance to change how that's portrayed right i mean i should say i get it i've had a chance to change how that is portrayed in my own brand Mm -hmm. in in the Madeira brand i think that i think that every brand has their own perspective on that Mm -hmm. and i think that there's a lot of Right. Uh, this discourse about that in BMX right now. I shouldn't say discourse because there aren't a lot of people talking about. It. There's a lot of disagreement about that. Um, I think there needs to be more discourse, and by discourse, I mean discussion mm-hmm. about what the hell it means. Because in skateboarding, as far as I understand, it's a pretty clear cut system. And in BMX, there's grassroots and flow, and are you pro? But it's like
1: you're not a paid pro, but you're you're a pro. And in mm-hmm. Madera yeah. it's pretty clear. Like. There's, there's like a family of dudes mm-hmm. who like are like hobbyists that like are part of the family but like they don't really get attention and budget but when they're around they're around and there's like an am team who doesn't get paid but they're like that's the flow riley right? like yeah they're, they're climbing up the ranks but they get to come on trips they do get some budget thrown at them and there's the pro team the dudes who are paid to ride their bikes and they have a paid contract and responsibility with that mm-hmm. um and then i'm in some weird spot where um i don't have a contract i don't i don't get paid um and i am basically the boss but when it comes to trips i'm there anyway because i'm the boss and i just ride as much as everybody else does hmm. um because that's truly why i'm doing this i mean like yeah i want to see madera succeed but i mean what's the bigger the bigger goal behind Madeira besides succeeding it's of course selling bike parts is to go on trips with a bunch of my friends and make cool fucking videos. I mean, that's always what BMX has been. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is what BMX has been for me since
0: I was 16. Right. Go somewhere, ride with your friends, make a video so you can remember it. That's... Nothing has fucking changed. Not a thing in 22 years. Yeah. So you wanted to talk about the... What constitutes as a pro?
1: You know, I mean, I guess... I guess it's just interesting because I brought it... I brought it up and... I think that many people... When this comes up, they get mad and they want to say, Well, of course, if you're not getting paid, you're not a fucking pro. But that's almost code because most dudes that are getting paid are also really badass. Mm-hmm. So they're not really saying that the money's important. They're saying that, like, the dudes that at that high level that get paid should be called pro. And mm-hmm. I know that's a weird distinction, but what I'm really saying here is that I think people get up in arms about the idea of a pro because they're up in arms about that middle ground of people that is technically a sponsored rider that is like they're endorsing a brand and the brand is like giving them some sort of compensation and then they call themselves pro mm-hmm. and it all goes back to like we want to say we're pro because it's some sort of like social status right like you're pro that means you, you like BMX is no longer is no longer a hobby. You have made it. You are a. It is your life. Like it's your thing. And no one wants to talk about it like that. But that's what a lot of people think, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm not faulting that. Like that's. I mean, we all grew up thinking that. And it's easier to turn to your your girlfriend, your mom, your coworker at the fucking whatever, and say, "No, I'm a pro. I'm a professional." And (laughs) the reality is, like that word doesn't really mean shit to someone. Oh, sorry. It means one thing to people outside of BMX. Oh, they get paid to ride bikes.
0: Right. And they make a living off it. But the reality is almost nobody makes a living off it. And many bike riders, you can't even consider what they're getting paid a real paycheck. $200 a month?
1: That's a fucking, that's like a tip. Yeah. That That isn't a paycheck. That's a fucking joke. And I would, by the way, full disclosure, my team riders, they don't get much more than that. And that's not because I don't want to pay them. It's because it's the reality of the marketplace. And yes, other companies do different things. And I'm not complaining about that. What I'm discussing here is the idea that saying you're pro is a cultural thing. And the problem is when we all say that about people, it makes it harder for us to figure out how to argue for people to get better paychecks, to get fucking health insurance and benefits and get a real contract saying that's what bmx is about but for some people you're you're 28 years old and you're trying to like continue to ride it up at a high level and change the game for bmx and do what's awesome it would be really nice if you didn't also have to work at mcdonald's or at the bike shop part-time because you're getting paid 200 a month and then when you break your leg you have to pay six grand in doctor's bills because you don't have health insurance because you can't afford it and no one provides it for you but when everybody says they're pro it clouds the waters. Nobody wants to talk about how much people get paid. Mm. Nobody wants to talk about what it means to be pro. Nobody wants to talk about how um, there should be certain levels and responsibilities. And then mm. if we all kind of came to some general conclusion about it, we all would have probably a much better perspective. We all said, okay, pro means this. And when you get this level, we will pay you this. Mm. Then people could... People could to, could say, well, shit, that's actually I can never do that. I can't. I can't make six videos a year and go to five contests. I'm not pro, and that's fine. You don't need to be then. But then the company could turn around and say, all right, I'm going to pay you more, but you got to do this, and that is part of a contract. But when riders are willing to just say they're pro when you give them a T-shirt, a frame, mm. companies have a tendency to say. Well, I mean, shit's not that easy to pay you anyway, so I guess you're happy with that, I'm happy with that, okay, let's move on. It's not like they're (laughs) taking advantage, because riders are also the dumb ones, too, in Mm. some ways. Like, have some fucking standards. Like, don't jump off a building for a goddamn free t-shirt. On the flip side, jump off a building if you want to jump off a building, and that right there is the heart of the problem here, Mm. is that we would all do this for free, we all pay our own money
0: to go do this,
1: Mm. anyway. Yeah. And then we all just go, well, fuck, it. I do it for free anyway, so what's it matter if I'm getting paid 20 bucks or $2,000 if my health insurance or not? And then the companies, because they're tight and they're broken and we have too many fucking brands, and Lino and I discussed this a little bit, like, they're tight on money, so they can't afford so they're not going to bust their ass. But imagine if every bike rider said, if you want me to promote your brand, I need X per month and I need health insurance. Six, ten companies that go out of business... And then four companies would rise up because they would have a bigger share of the market and they would say, okay, we can provide that. Mm-hmm. Instead, we all are just cutting the pie up into a million little fucking pieces. And I'm not saying we should band together and push out brands, but what I am saying is it's just the reality of it is, is we can't pay pro riders because we don't define what a pro is because there's too many goddamn brands fighting over the pie mm-hmm. and there's too many bike riders willing to take crumbs. And mm-hmm. I, again, I, mm-hmm. I know this is the big thing. People piss people off. It's like, no, no. You don't have, none of this matters. If you just want to go to the trails and ride, then go do that. I'm talking right now to people that are worried about making a living off of BMX, or people that are actually getting paid to ride BMX, or people that are representing a brand for something or nothing. I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. If you just want to go to the skate park and tool around every day, that's sick and fuck yeah. So, you know,
0: this podcast is veered a little bit into... You know, something for only a small group of people. But it's the reality. We should be talking about it, or else nothing good will come out of it. It's just going to continue to be a shadowy backroom thing. And I'm done with my rant. I'm sorry. I should give you a chance to speak. No, that's cool, man. I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you going off like that because that's something that we need to hear. When this this podcast is meant to, to bring up certain topics that people aren't talking about and, that, and if that's what you, what's on your mind what, what you want to talk about it's cool um, well thank you and I know in one more defense here is I was going to write a paper about this and <laughs> I
1: would then have my, my arguments very logically laid out I'm sure someone could poke some holes in that and my logic isn't coming straight through but I'll still stand by it and I'll say that it needs to be discussed That I don't believe that the system is good, if anything, if anything, if one thing is wrong with the system, if one thing is, it's simply that we risk our lives for peanuts. And it's
0: not about the money, it's more
1: about the health insurance, honestly.
0: Yeah. I mean, imagine a brand that said, I'm not going to pay you, but I'm going to give you health insurance. Didn't Animal do that? What? Didn't Animal do that at one point? I had heard that, and I don't quite know, and I.
1: I, I did hear and I wonder if I wonder out loud, was it connected to the fact that they were also a, a company that employed bike riders? So like as a company, like they, they were giving health insurance to their employees and then their riders were also kind of pulled in because they had enough employees maybe to like make a group yeah. of coverage yeah. which makes it more affordable. You know, but like it's just the health insurance thing alone, that's the compensation, that's the money, quote unquote money that I'm actually more concerned about. It's just like I know we do it for free. But on the flip side, we're not doing it for free. You are gaining something from us. So yeah. it'd, just be, it'd be just nice. I mean,
0: we're, we're friends, right? Like people say, oh, you know, it's all business. Well, if it's all business, then, then fucking compensate me properly. And if we're friends, then compensate me properly. I mean, there's, no <laughs> if, or, there's no if and or about it, right? Like, yeah. That's a great way to put it. Like, yeah. I mean... I think that's the other thing about it. When when you try and compare the BMX industry to any other industry, you kind of get a case of FOMO because it's like, so we can't do that for our guys, you know. I feel like there's there's a business, there is business plans worth exploring that might work, you know, like seeing what somebody can do with the resources they have, because it's like with a skateboard, you know, the margins might be a little bit better. You know, versus like getting a frame or like a, a pair of cranks, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, and so like it, it turns into, okay, what can you make the biggest margin on? Because whatever you can make the biggest margin on is going to be, you know, that's going to be your bread and butter that's going to go on and help actually push the riders to where they want to get to, you know? could Would you rather have, you know, a company XYZ could have, you know, 12 dudes on for $100 a month or they could have, you know, three dudes on for a couple hundred dollars a month. And it's like... Right. You know, like, I've... When I lost health insurance, for, like, you know, when you get, like, to 21 or something like that, like, 23 or something, that's as old as you can get before it drops, I remember that's when yeah. I realized I had to dial it back a little bit, like, don't go... Don't go trying everything. You're not... You're not crazy BMX dude anymore because you literally don't have health insurance and you can really get fucked. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's a, that's a super dangerous thing to do because in our country, it's it can be the end of your financial life forever.
0: Yeah. I mean, you might be able to get it, get the debt cleared. It's not like student loan debt that's with you for your life. Oh, yeah. I know about that. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, I think mm-hmm. you bring up a good point, too, is that, like, I
1: think what I was getting at, or maybe I was beating around the bush and you, you kind of clarified, it, is that part of it is there's just like, if there's so many pros, quote unquote pros, that one, it dilutes what it means to be a pro. And two, it, it, it's like, why are we paying 12 dudes 100 bucks? Like you just said, we could pay three dudes 400 bucks, right? Or whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think. All this talk isn't to say that BMX is fucked and that brands are evil and that like riders are idiots. What it really is is we've just gotten to a point where we can have this conversation. And this is like, I'm going to bring like an outside analogy in from politics. Well, when I was growing up, you know, we didn't have to worry about fucking bathrooms and people like not knowing what their gender was because we were worried about bigger things i mean why can't they just deal with it and the answer to that is because we solved other things and now we're trying to make life even better like life right. got better for people in the 1950s and then you know what and then the 60s and now it's it's time to keep going right mm-hmm. like it's time to make life better for even more people and same thing goes with bmx mm-hmm. bmx isn't fucked matter of fact i think it's in a great spot i think it's continued to grow and develop yeah but let's keep fighting to make it better and i think pay insurance are the next thing and don't don't fucking tell me well i mean with the, but margins of bmx we can't not you but just, just margins of bmx can't do this <laughs> yeah tell you what i've seen the numbers i and i'm part of a pretty small brand Madeira itself is pretty small and they aren't they aren't they aren't big numbers but the numbers are irrelevant you know what matters? If you wanted to do it, you, you would make it work.
0: Right. If you really were really like, I'm going to make a bike company
1: where the riders have fucking health insurance, and that was your goal, you'd figure
0: it out. You, wouldn't you would do it. You'd be stealing everybody from every brand. Right. And, and it would work. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And I'm not
1: saying it's possible because it does, I believe, require most likely a total. Rebuilding of a, of a bike company from scratch, like, like how does it work and what does it look like? And it might not even work on your own. It might be a, re, a rebuilding of the entire industry. So in, in that sense, it might not be possible. Yeah. Because not everybody believes it's possible. But if everybody wanted to do it, that's really the linchpin. If everybody wanted to do it, it could be done. Um, but it sure as fucking can happen if no one's
0: even willing to talk about it. If yeah. no one's even willing to. Admit that we need to solve that problem, and you know, I just, I just think that's something that uh, needs to start getting talked about. Yeah, so I, I totally see what you're saying now, as, as like in the reason for even bringing it up, and I, it makes me think of what, one of the things we mentioned in the email is like co-sponsors. So like, what if, what if for some reason it was like you know a parts company did health insurance, well frame company might not want you on parts company because frame company wants you to run parts xyz you know and and they don't want you they don't want you to basically don't want you to have co-sponsors i mean i don't know if anybody's really feeling that way i'm i'm probably putting words in other brands mouths by even saying that but like my my point is is like red bull and other companies that you can kind of get like a co co sponsorship with, and it seems like the people that are on Red Bull and Rockstar get taken care of pretty well, you know? Or... you know. and that is that is a whole a whole other topic, I think, and I think I think you're you're right to bring that up because
1: people always talk about like, well, these guys make a lot of money. I'm pretty sure that like Garrett and and uh, a lot of those dudes. Like, I'm pretty sure that part of the reason Garrett does Fiend is because no frame brand... I mean, one, because he wants to do something cool, right? But two, no frame brand can afford Garrett. Like, (laughs) what are you going to give him? $1,000 a month? Which is like, what, three dudes in BMX get that, and that's like, oh my God, I got $1,000 a
0: month. That's (laughs) That's part-time job money. That's an insult to one of the best bikers that ever lived. Mm -hmm. So why even take
1: that money? But then you look at Red Bull and you know, whatever Nike or like he's, he's not a Nike anymore.
0: No, he? Yeah. He's not on them anymore. Um, but you look at these outside sponsors and obviously they can do things we can't because they're a different type of company. Mm-hmm. And I just think, uh, I do, th- I do think we need to look outside of BMX, but not look outside of BMX per se to get money and mm-hmm. bring people in, but look outside of BMX for examples of how it's being done. Right. And I mean, I guess I can maybe leave you with,
1: a big theoretical that Mung has been talking about with me, and it's in that I'm working on something with as well. Um, it's just like this idea that, like, what if BMXers just work together like a collective or a commune, be it yeah. at a bike shop or a bike company or a crew, which we already do, hmm. and just support ourselves. And you know, if we reevaluated it. The whole way the system works. Now that is a pie in the sky, you know, fucking three-hour discussion about like this is like bringing up communism and capitalism, like <laughs> children, like it's like yeah, fucking it's like throwing you know throwing fucking treats in the fucking koi pond. You know, it's like a, a, a stampede of like well, what about this, and this? I get it. These are this is somewhat pie in the sky, but it doesn't mean we can't start at least thinking and looking at mm-hmm. other outside models and ideas besides like a pretty traditional capitalist model because bmx is is yeah it's like rooted in this capitalist idea of like buy and sell but we all hate it none of us really no one started a bike company to make a lot of money
0: that's no true one, yeah. no
1: one does events to make money we just make money because it's the only way to survive to do what we need to do it's yeah. like i want to make cool frames so i need to sell some so i can make some right which is a which is how all bike companies pretty much started. Yeah. And that's how all shirts and, and crews and all that shit starts. So maybe we should just reevaluate like what the goal is. The goal is to have more cool BMX and to support each other. Health, you know, living, traveling, riding, filming, creating. The goal is not to exchange money hands back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I think all of this is predicated on a system that doesn't really fit the ethos of BMX which is about doing what we do just to do it mm-hmm. and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take full credit for this This is a the discussion that Mung and I have been going back and forth on a lot for the last couple of months mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a big idea it's an idealistic idea that we can look beyond capitalism in some ways but it's not on the flip side look what crews do man crews just get together they spend their own
0: money yeah they just to do what they gotta do right so I mean People are doing it in certain ways, but anyway, yeah. I feel like if we dove into that, we'd be for another three hours. So sorry to bring that up <laughs> and then drop it. No, that's okay. I, I, I get maybe this is maybe I, we can pin this or not. But you tell me. Uh, I think I think with with what you just said, though, also brings in the crews that are spending their own money filming themselves, but might that but maybe have pipe dreams that once they get sponsored by company XYZ, it's all taken care of and they've made it. And it's like they kind of don't realize maybe it's exactly the same as it was, but now you get a free frame. You know what I mean? Like like it's not as glamorous as it might seem, which might ruin it for some people, but at the same time, it's just how it is. And, I think that also
1: contributes to burnout
0: in BMX, and that's mm-hmm. why I think a lot of people quit riding. It's not that it's not like brands are saying, "I need you to put on a jersey and go do do fourteen demos and stuff." But there are responsibilities, and mm-hmm. some of those responsibilities are lame. Mm-hmm. But like, like, I, I, how many fucking bike checks can we ha- have in the, in the BMX world? Like, nobody wants to do a fucking bike check, but we all do them, right? Because. Mm-hmm. It's, it's part of the game. They were a yeah, lot cooler when people were hacksawing their own bike parts instead of just running everything from the factory.
1: Right, right. It's like, now it's just like, it's like showing off a deck over and over and over again. Like, right. It's like, it's like, it's the same thing. So it's, but it's stuff like that. I get it. In order for a company to sell products, you need the person to promote it. But multiply that times a couple of years. Multiply that times getting sick of those and doing some things that you don't think. It's not like you're selling out or doing something really whack. Just feel like I really don't want to do that, like, I'm not into that. Mm-hmm. And then people drop off because they're like, Man, for 300 bucks a month, really? Like, does it is 300 bucks a month really worth this stupid shit when I could just get a job I kind of like and like work part time? And we're right back to where we started, right? Like, yeah. this idea that like it could be sick if we could allow dudes just to ride all the time, but maybe I'm kind of no. hashing this out as I go, but it's there's just. There's gotta be,
0: there's gotta be a better way. Well, because all the problems that we run into in BMX oftentimes come back to this root of like trying to sell things and trying to like be sponsored but not sponsored, and so it's just like it's a. I think I think you're uh, right to bring up that a lot of these dudes, on one hand, do it for themselves, mm-hmm. but on their hand, they they're striving to get to something that when they get there, they're gonna go, oh, I wish I was doing what I was already just doing, probably. Like, yeah. It was. It was
1: cool doing what I already was doing. Why did I even need to
0: make the step? Yeah, now they quit their job and they're making two grand a month, at, you know, or whatever, and not even two grand a month, but like, Should that be that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that I, just, I had to retract my steps. So I was like, that actually sounds good. They're making like five hundred. They're making five hundred a month, seven hundred. They're, they're lucky. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's logistics for it because like if if somebody works part time think of your favorite bike rider like if he could work part time be be covered health health wise be able to get on his road trips be able to do this that and the other thing it'd be awesome but maybe it's the spontaneity of BMX itself that doesn't lend itself to that but yeah you're very right about that but I mean I feel like there's a mature way to go about it and it's right now it's a very select few that are making ends meet and getting it making it actually work it's not only are you gonna be, do you have to be a good bike rider or like a professional or like a good person, but you need to be really, really smart about everything. Like Kaczynski was the perfect example. Like he's made it work for him, but it wasn't just by sheer luck. He's he's smart and made it work. You know, like. Yep. You gotta you gotta put some brain cells together if you're gonna try and make it work. A, a good, a good
1: parting thing to to end with, right? It's just this yeah. idea that like, yeah. we, we uh, the shit we do, ain't ain't easy, but it's worth it, and like, uh, just it's awesome that like, people are doing it, and I, I, you, you're doing it, you know, you're making stuff and, and, and doing stuff, and other people are doing it, and, and that's another thing that's cool about these podcasts and this new direction of BMX where we're sharing it. It's like, I don't know you it's i'm honored that my podcast in some way inspired your podcast and if if that's all that ever happens my podcast i've won i've, I've succeeded in, in doing something good right like and same here like i just hope that these discussions um remind everybody that like working hard in bmx does promote cool shit but you gotta do it you gotta work hard for cool shit like yeah. it doesn't just come to you
0: yeah yeah even the fun shit you're going to have to put just as much thought into as the boring, dumb shit you don't want to do. So Yeah. You might as well try either way. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking this time, man. You've been really generous with me. Um, is there um anywhere – we already gave you the website a shout-out. Is there anything else people can follow you, reach out to you at? I mean, you know, just the usual, like, uh, I, you know, my name on Instagram you know gotta gotta get that uh gotta get those followers you know but uh uh hey, more then. than anything follow me because i'm always trying to
1: push something um something new out there to share with people mm-hmm. you know podcasts are just tricks that i'm proud of and i hope that you get inspired checking my shit out and i'd like to check your shit out because that's what's what all about bmx right definitely just sharing with each other and, and enjoying it together i you know thank you for reaching out like uh I figured no one wanted to hear me talk about anything else because it's all I do is talk on my podcast so thank you for letting me talk and, and in all honesty thank you for letting me ramble a little bit I mean as you probably noticed I'm always kind of learning as I go now I, I realize that it's better just like we talked about it's better to be out there and just say fuck it like I'm just going to let this go because I'm learning I've, I've, I've definitely already like in this discussion tonight I learned a bunch of stuff and some of the the, the points you brought
0: up I'm like oh yeah duh I never thought about it that way so <laughs> um, and thank you for the opportunity to, to learn uh, and uh, yeah. share of course man thank you for sure. thanks again for listening to the podcast I really appreciate it it's crazy what Mike has done where he's come from and where he's gone it's pretty sick and um, also speaking of crazy stories um, next week might just be a portion of an episode because it's it's going to be a doozy mr. dan conway stopped by and we shot the shit for like four or five hours but um it was awesome it was really really cool to hear his story because i've written with dan a bunch of times but i never knew his full story about a lot of the stuff so um i'm looking forward to that like i said i might break that into a couple episodes to make it a little bit easier on everybody But it's super informative and it was super fun. So look forward to showing you guys that next week on Different Spokes. See ya.